Hello, and welcome to this edition of For the Quantum Grammar Shoot podcast. I'm your host, colon Jason hyphen Matthew colon Glass. You may call me Jason. I'm speaking with you using colloquial plain simple English fiction babble grammar for the ease of the communication. There is a bracket at the beginning of the audio and a bracket at the end. This episode is a special episode. I've been telling everybody that I was going to have a first responder on here, a frontline employee, government employee, and interview them. Well, today's the day. I was able to track her down, and she was kind enough to give me some time to ask her some questions so that we could share these values with you here on this podcast. I would like to reiterate that this podcast is a story. It's categorized under a personal journal story. It's history. It's opinion. It's me sharing my firsthand personal stories with you, the listener. Therefore, in light of that, I am not going to divulge this woman's identity. I'm not going to give any specifics about anything other than she's a first responder frontline employee, and that is for the protection of her and her family. So you can just listen to it if you want and take whatever value uh, you can get from it. You're more than welcome to have it because we're here to share it with you. So with those terms and conditions in mind, I hope you enjoy this. It's a little bit different than what I normally do. has nothing to do with the grammar, which I should mention here. I'm a language tutor. If you are interested in learning correct sentence structure, communication, parsley, syntax, grammar, i.e. quantum grammar, you can check out my YouTube channel, www.youtube.com forward slash Jason Matthew Glass, or you may contact me in the confidential at jasonmatthewg17 at gmail.com for other venues that I offer for learning the grammar. Also, One other thing before I go into the interview segment. If you listen to this interview and you think of any questions that you would like to ask this wonderful woman, then feel free to email me at the same email address, jasonmatthewg17 at gmail.com, and I'll consider doing an additional podcast which would then ask listener questions. Uh, if I can get her back on here again. All right, so without further ado, please enjoy. Thank you. As promised, I'm here with a frontline worker. I will not be divulging their identity. So it's just a story, and you can take whatever value you would like from it. Uh, they're going to be sharing some experiences that they've had with first-hand knowledge from the front lines of this COVID-19 scenario. The first thing I want to touch on is both of us know personally people who participate with the idea that this COVID-19 is a hoax and that it's not uh, what they say it is and there are empty hospitals and it's no worse than a flu and 
so on and so forth. If you could convey a message to people who, who uh, buy into those types of ideas, what would it be? I think it's been proven that this is not a victimless illness and that or a hoax and that there has been a large number of people who have succumbed uh, to the symptoms of the virus, usually painfully and over a long period of time. And anyone in our area, as you said, could probably name at least one person that they know who has uh, died from contracting this illness. So I don't know um, where or who the hoaxers are, but my personal experience has been that that's not true. In the context of this being a new i.e. novel scenario, the novel coronavirus, I'd just like to make a comparison with you as a frontline employee who's been working on the front lines for, I don't know, a few years here. Compare this time of this year with the, the death toll as compared to previous years. Is it different? Is this a different scenario than anything you've ever uh, been involved with before as a frontline employee? I say most definitely the um, caseload has increased significantly um, in terms of reported deaths and written reports and um, scene response I would have to say it has at least, at least tripled in, in comparison to last year and I'd also say in the last 30 years of my employment in various positions that um, there has never been anything even close to this type of uh, response or overburdening of the at-hand uh, resources. So, yes. And just to be specific, we're talking about pretty much the last 30 days or so, right? Yes, the last month, month and a half, have been specifically the most busiest. In a position of being a first responder... You also interact with other frontline agencies in cooperation and things like that. I'm just wondering, uh, starting with your own agency, have you been provided with adequate PPE and safeguard uh, measures? Because you guys are the ones that are at the most risk out there uh, doing your job. And then, if you would please move into the other agencies that you interact with, uh, what's their PPE status? Are, are they given adequate safety measures? I think um, we've been provided with adequate PPE at my office. Um, and as time has gone on, we have acquired more and more items of PPE gear. 
initially, um, we were reusing masks for a short period of time, and I think sometimes we still do to conserve them because they are, there is a shortage for everybody, but overall there's adequate PPE for us. I have responded uh, with other agencies who have extremely limited access uh, to PPE and specifically uh, being given to masks, to N95 masks to use indefinitely. So they reuse the same mask for days on end, um, lack of protective gloves. Uh, a lot of them do not have respirators, access to respirators. Uh, foot protection or foot coverings and um, caps, eyeglasses or some type of eye protection or even face shields, which we have all of those things. So I do see a lot of uh, scenes where the law enforcement officers are not coming in with uh, adequate PPE on. So just to run through a scenario here, I just thought of this on the spot. All these this equipment that you're talking about, every time you go to a work location where you respond first to, you have to, I, I'm getting a picture in my head, you have to put all of this stuff on before you go in and do what you have to do and then when you're done there now correct me if i'm wrong when you're done there then before you get back in your transport vehicle you have to take off and bag all of that equipment and then at the end of you have to do that each time you go to a different location and then at the end of the day all of that has to be left out of your own domicile before you actually go into your home where your family is. Is that does that sound right? Right. So because I'm in the field and I'm not in a controlled environment, um each location is a reapplication of PPE on the uh outside or exterior of the vehicle and the scene. So it's very uncontrolled, and um, we carry all of the equipment in the backs of our trucks. And so with the exception of the mask, once it's worn, it's uh, taken off and disposed of, or bagged and disposed of immediately. Um, sometimes they're carried in the vehicle until they're, they can be disposed of, which is also contamination concern. But yes, all of that's done numerous times a day. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to answer these questions and, and talk a little bit and be a guest on, on this podcast. I appreciate uh, your service and everything you do for your for your fellow mankind, and, uh, well, just thanks for coming. You're welcome.
And I just want to add that um, even for those who believe that this is a hoax or not serious, to um, maybe exercise at least some type of caution if you believe that you're going to go out and expose yourself to people who are walking around with the simple flu, that you would still take some type of precautions, hopefully not to uh, infect yourself and your family. And everyone be safe and be healthy. All right. Thank you very much. Be safe out there. And uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.